Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bikini Podcast. This is episode number 27 and today we're with WBFF World Fitness Champion, Hattie Boydell. Hattie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. So I heard your interview the other day with the other podcast that you did. So I wanted to like completely change things up a bit and I want to have a bit of fun. So if this was a job interview, these are the questions that I have for you. All right. So you're applying for the job. We don't even know what the job is. Tell me about yourself. Okay. Wow. I'm selling myself really well now. Tell me this is a job interview. You've got to take it seriously. <laughs> I don't even know. I find that question. I don't even know where to start, Troy. Like when people say, tell me about yourself, I'm like. But you're in a, okay. Okay. How about, how about this? We do it a bit easier. Why should I hire you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm disciplined. I'm a hard worker. I've got a great work ethic. I love a challenge. I love an obstacle. I want to be the best at everything that I do. Sometimes the obstacles are the way. Proactive, not reactive. High energy, love people. What is your greatest strength? Oh, I'm pretty resilient. You are. You handle stress pretty well. Like these questions are quite insane. And you're just like, okay, cool, game on. I'm coming at you. <laughs> I'm like a hurricane. If someone said to me, what's one word that described you? I'm like, oh, hurricane? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I love life. Like I love life so much. All of the ups, the downs, the in-betweens, the roller coasters, like. Where does your passion come from? I just, I've just always wanted to be better. I, do you know what, Troy? When I was little, I always knew that I had a spark. When I was little, I, I was just so full of life. Like I was such a happy child and I am a happy person. And that's just, it's always stayed with me. And I've always looked at, well, how, we've only got one life, right? Like, what can I do in this time? And I learned through really hard times that the mind is the most powerful machine we can ever control, learn to control, dissect, improve. And with that, it just makes life so exciting. You know, it makes like, it makes us look through so many different lenses. And I'm so, I'm just so passionate about that. Like, I really want the world to be a happy place for people to be happy and for myself to be happy and for people to understand their own potential and recognize their own potential. Like the power comes, we get, we, we recognize our own power when we recognize our own potential. I think that's such a incredible thing to experience for ourselves. I'm sure you've experienced for yourself. You know, you, you know your own potential as a, as a coach and as a business mentor. This is why you like to set goals that are, you know, demand more from you and a great challenge. So I don't know. I, I think that, you know, when I, you know, I started as a gymnast from a really young age and, you know, that, that drove my competitive side. So I've always been competitive, but mostly competitive with myself. It's like, how can I be better? Like, what do I have to do to take myself to the next level? That's literally what I say to myself every day. What do I have to do? How do I stretch my boundaries? How can I do something that no one else can do? Like, what is it? And that's so exciting for me because I have nothing to do with anyone else. It's all about me. Like I'm selfish. There's a selfish part of me. I want to be the best in the world. How important do you think it is to be selfish when you have a goal? Uh, there has to be a hundred percent in there. It's, mm. you can be selfish and still look after others. Like you can still have your own oxygen mask on and help others. In fact, we help people more when we're solid. I think so. With that, I work, I've worked with a lot of selfless people and it's beautiful. 
and we are both selfless. We help a lot of people. We serve, like our job is to serve others, but we have our own needs, which are equally as important, like equally as important. So you can self-care and look after others. You can be selfish and look after others. It's just balancing it all out. And I am just as, as important to myself as my clients are as important to me as my loved ones are as important to me. What's something that people seem to misunderstand about you? <laughs> Ooh, um, I think, well, things I've heard, it's easy to judge on the outside. Yeah. Um, and some people might, I think some people think I'm intimidating and I'm like, oh my God, I talk to trees. You should talk to me. <laughs> like I yeah. talk to anything. Um, yeah, I think maybe people might find me intimidating, but I honestly feel like I'm the most unintimidating person ever you're very friendly to communicate with like <laughs> I, th I think that from my experience at least you know you're very friendly and i know that a lot of people that i've communicated with a lot of people do love you and see you as you know really inspirational person and a role model so i mean yeah intimidation i don't know maybe i don't i don't know i think your physique's intimidating maybe for ladies that compete against you but outside of that i don't know that one's okay we'll take that yeah we can, <laughs> That's we can, yeah, we can take that so your plans, we're talking a bit off air, your plans to do the Worlds if they go forward. What is your, do you see that happening or do you sort of, oh, I'm not sure. And then, I mean, what's, and then what's the plan B? So, I mean, my heart is set on doing it, doing the Worlds. Um, I'm definitely optimistic about it. And, you know, I'm going to prepare myself for it as if it's happening because the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to be in amazing shape and it doesn't happen. Like I'm, I'm definitely not going to cry about it. Um, and then I'll just, you know, reverse out. And, you know, for me, it's always collecting data. And now is the time where I have less stress to be able to push my training stress. So if it doesn't go ahead, I'll, I'll do um, the October show in Australia, which I haven't competed in Australia for since 2014. Oh, really? What show was that? Yes, that's when I won my pro card. Oh, that long ago. Wow. So to step on Australian soil and compete, my heart, like, I think I'd be more nervous doing that because of, like, you know, the pressure, like, it'd be so exciting and I'd hope that my, my dad would be able to come and watch me because he hasn't seen me compete again, you know, in, in six years. My mum comes to all my shows. Um, so that, like, that's either one of those options feels really good to me. And... It would just be about, you know, managing my time between shows if, if the first show didn't go ahead. And I just want to be prepared. I like to be prepared. I, don't yeah. want, I wouldn't want to be like, oh, it's not going to be on. And suddenly it's on. And I'm like, fuck, scrambling to get myself together. You know, right now I'm holding things really steady. And I can't, I've got wiggle room to, to pull, push harder if I need to. But otherwise I'm, I'm sailing in really nicely and I'm enjoying my prep so far so yeah, yeah. Have, have you heard this les brown quote i think it's something like i'm paraphrasing but it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have it than to have the opportunity and not be prepared i love les brown oh, i used you? to listen oh. to have, brown. yeah okay like 2018 when i was in mexico his voice oh my god soothes the soul like he he's like him and and Muhammad Ali, no, Muhammad Ali, yeah, Muhammad Ali, I'm going to show you how great I am. That's what I think <laughs> when I'm walking on stage, I'm like, I'm going to show you how great I am. That's like my thing. 
Yeah. (laughs) That's cool. But how'd you come across Les Brown? Just YouTubing? Yeah. Just SoundCloud motivational Mm. podcast that would come up and, oh man, I would just, it would just pull my strings. Like, Mm. I was so passionate. He has, he's all soul. He's all soul. soul. I I was like, yeah. So yeah, for anyone that's listening, Les Brown, so L-E-S and then Brown, check him out on YouTube. Or if you're not sure, just DM me and I'll send you a really cool link because I actually watch his stuff, you know, not all the time, but it's like, oh yeah, I need, I need to kick up. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to hit up some Les Brown because his passion is just unbelievable. And public speaking, I mean, you want to learn how to speak in public, listen to this guy. He's in next level. His story as well is amazing. Yeah. I, 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 I sort of wanted to go into it, but I'll, I'll let everyone do your research. Do some homework. I can't give you all the spoilers. <laughs> so I've got a question for you. Would you consider yourself successful? Yes. What does success mean to you and how did you get there? Uh, success. To me, growth feels like success. I mean, I've helped so many women all over the world and I feel so grateful to be in the position that I am where through my own journey, I've been able to, I guess, I don't want to use the word inspire, it's not the word I want, but I've been able to allow women to take a, take a little bit of a look at themselves and go, I know there's more to me than what I'm doing. Mm. And, you know, the Sports Water Project, which is my business, yeah, there are girls that compete, that's their transformation, but there's so many other women that just want to enjoy themselves, experience themselves and and love themselves and have confidence in themselves and change the relationship with themselves and food and training. And I am a vessel to help them do that. And that for me is success, to be able to help someone shift their mindset, learn about themselves, honor themselves, love themselves, teach the people around them to do the same. Like for me, that's success. Of course, money comes with success. You know, I've been able to create some good wealth for myself and my family. You know, I look after my parents and mm. um, that's successful, but it definitely is the development road, who I've become, my mindset, what I've achieved in, in like the fitness industry is that, you know, it's a big one. And, you know, um, I'm really grateful that I've got a lot of support through social media, but really to me is like helping people. Mm. Like I love humans. I love people, Troy. I love them so much. And I honestly, yeah, feel so grateful that I have an opportunity for, to, to, help, to help people, to serve others. Like that's, you know, in the beginning I served myself. I had to do the work myself, right? We all have to do the work ourselves. And then when we do the work ourselves, then we can truly help others. And I hope that this is something that I can do for the rest of my life. So where do you see this going? Because I know that you mentioned before, like you're obviously very competitive. You have this drive. Where does that drive take you in terms of your long-term plans, at least business-wise? Let's talk about business and then maybe we can answer that and talk about fitness. Like what do you want to achieve in both areas of your life? Yeah. Um, so one of my big goals that scares the absolute bejesus out of me um, and I think I've said this to you before, Troy, is, okay, so public speaking, oh, oh God, scares the shit out of me. But one of my biggest goals is to be a world-class speaker, educator, motivator, help women, like, all over the world. Like, that's, you know, I said to you, greatest of all time, like, one of the greatest athletes of all time in the, you know, in the fitness industry. 
I want to inspire, educate, motivate. I want to be the world champion again. Like, of course, you know, something that I learned, Troy, and I've only just, I guess, shared this in the last year is, you know, when I won in 2016, I questioned whether I was really good enough to win it. Like I'd done all the work. I, it's not that I, I, I did all the work in the lead up, but when I won, I thought, did I really deserve that? Was I really the best that day? Was I? And it wasn't till I lost the title that I thought I just stole my own success from me. I just, I couldn't, when I said, oh, I'm the world champion, I was like almost timid in case, in case people thought, oh, you're the world champion. That's how I, I was still, you know, I still had some work to do internally. And that was the moment I thought, fuck, I have some work to do. And now it's like, I, you know, I know that I'm a great world champion. Like I know it and I want to win that title so badly so that this time round I can let myself enjoy and, ex- and enjoy the experience, you know. And so it's been a hard one actually the last three years getting second place when the fight is so much greater internally to what it had been before, you know. So they're my really big goals. SMP, I want to, you know, expand my team of coaches and work cool. with more. Like how can I, you know, help more women around the world? Is something that I ask myself. Yeah. I just want to touch on that quickly. So, you know, do you think you weren't embracing who you really were when you're like, Oh, I better be careful about sort of being the champ and people's perception of you. Do you think that's something that's evolved and how do you feel differently about it now? So let's say you were to win the title this year or if it's next year for COVID-19 purposes, how would you be acting any different? Like, is it a belief self-belief system? And you know, how has your thoughts evolved? That's a really good question. So um, I remember someone said to me, um, never let the people believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And that really slapped me across the face, <laughs> you know. And I think a big thing was, you know, beating Andrea Brazier, who, you know, is one of the only women who I've ever thought, fuck, what an animal. Like, just incredible. And I still think that to that day. Beating her was like, <gasps> was that okay? Like, it was a real... I. D- I don't, like, it was, I was like, I just beat my, like, my idol. Like, is, was I, did I deserve that? Was I really better than her? And it was like, you know, I still, that was what I wanted, right? I didn't go to the world championships to get a second. I went there to win and then I won. But then I thought, you know, I got a lot of backlash. You know, I got a lot of, I got a lot of, uh, I guess, hate from her fans. And I just, you know, I had to sit there and I guess, you know, I was like, okay. Did I really deserve that? Well, you know, and I realized, holy shit, I've got some work to do on myself. If I feel so uncomfortable about this, I've got some work to do. And, you know, the internal work is a, is a lifetime job, right? And I had to do some work. And oh, so, yeah. yeah. And um, to be in 2017, the year after when I lost the title, I mean, that was a really tough time. I literally, I was so sad, like, Troy, I remember just being in bed the next day and I woke up and I said, Mum, did I lose the title? And she said, yes. And I just burst out crying. And I was just like, fuck, I've just wasted that year. Like, I just wasted that year not believing myself, having the title, and now it's gone. And that was, that was really tough. And, again, it was like another year of work to do, another year of work to do physically and mentally. And so where I am now, where I sit, you know, I know the work that I put in. Like, I'm a whole new beast to what I was in 2016, mentally. Like, I have a backbone of self-belief like no other. And 
that brings so much more fire to everything that I do. It's like, how do I push the boundaries, right? How do I outwork myself from the year before? How do I outwork my physique? How do I make those small adjustments? What do I want to look like when I step on stage? I remember last year when I stepped on stage, I said, I'm going to walk on that stage and I'm going to make sure every fucking person that's watching out there, whether it's on social media or in the crowd, no matter what happens, thinks that I should have won. Whether I come first or second or third, I want to be the most talked about person on that stage. I want to go out there and everyone be like, whoa, Patty fucking Boydell. And I remember walking on stage last year and I just had a fucking blast, you know, and I just, of course, I was disappointed. I was like, oh yeah, here we go again. But I didn't ever look back and be like, oh, I was less. And I was like, fuck, I love my physique. I had one hell of a prep. I'll come back next year. 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 You know, so it's just like, you know, this is what competition is. It's a competition. And did I outdo myself the year before? Absolutely. Did I make the improvements that I want to make? Absolutely. Did I get number one? I didn't. But I still thought that I was the best. Oh, that was my next question. Did you think you won? I on thought I won. Yeah. On, on stage, when you're like, you know what? I've got this. This is mine. Is that your feeling? I honestly thought I won. Did when I got do- off stage. Yeah. And I like probably people listen to me and it's like, oh, she's so up herself. But you know what? If you want to be competitive, you have to back yourself. Yes. And you should be walking off stage going, I fucking nailed that. That's what you should be doing. Any pro athlete should be walking off stage going, I fucking killed that. Yeah. And, you know, that what's make, that's what makes things fun. Yeah, like I, I remember getting off stage and people coming up to me and being like, fuck, you're posing this year. And I wanted it to, I wanted to put on a show, Troy. I wanted to put on a show. I wanted to, I, that's what I wanted. And I said that to my mom. I said, mom, I want everyone in that crowd or watching on Facebook or Instagram to, to see that I, to say that I was number one, regardless of the outcome. So what do you think that you need to do for, you know, the next worlds? Let's, let's call it this year. I'm just going to say this year. What do you think you need to do to take that number one spot? Because this is like what I'd like to tell people, right? It's like, for me personally, winning, you know, like winning is everything. Yeah. But crushing someone and absolutely taking their soul. And it's like, I got first, second and third. So how do you, what do you need to do to take first, second and third and just demolish everyone? Well, the thing is, Troy, the, the look of the fitness model is changing. So what I've been told. Yes. And my feedback every year is, do you have smaller quads? Yeah. The problem is, Troy, <laughs> I fucking love training. I love lifting really heavy and I like doing things that other people can't do. And I did back off, you know, I never did any direct quad work, but I still squatted and split squatted and Bulgarian split squatted and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, my feedback was your quads are still too big. So I'm in a bit of a pickle because if I am to take the fitness model title, I'm going to have to detrain myself. They're like, take some time off, get smaller. That doesn't really sit that well with me. (laughs) I love training. I love training. I've been training my whole life. I love training. I love training more (laughs) than ever now because the shit that I can do is outrageous. Like I don't even share half the things that I do. Well, you should, you should. Now I'm calling you out. I want to, I want to see you share the local stuff because obviously look, people looked for you to inspiration and they're motivated. Right. But every person on Instagram, like even like I love crazy people. I think everyone loves a crazy person. Why not show some of that? Because it's your true authentic self. And you know what? It's like 
post your leg workout and be like, yeah, this is me, motherfucker. You're going to be competing against this. Scare your competition. You know, just be you. Don't be afraid to be you, I, I say. I'm going to be expecting some crazy, and I think everyone's going to be expecting <laughs> some crazy videos now. Yeah. So what yeah. do you do? So, so give an example of what like this craziness involves. It's like, uh, it'll be like just whole heap of overload methods with Nordics, heavy squats, double one and one quarters, 21s. It's like the whole kitchen curl. sink. Yeah. With three second concentric pauses at three different ranges going all the way down. Just, just things that, are, you know, I love skills. Okay. I love skills. I love skill-based training. So that's why I got called squatting, deadlifting and mm. Nordic. All that stuff. The things that really demand a focus and attention and performance. You know, and I, you know, I had to back off my squatting and not share my squatting, and you know that was hard because I know that a lot of people enjoy seeing that. So, I mean, in my heart, I'm like, I'm definitely, I feel like I'm a fitness model. You know, they, they, you know, they've asked me to, you know, what I consider figure. Yeah. And I'm just like, but I'm not that muscular. Like, I just don't feel like. I look at me and I'm like, I'm, I'm a big little girl. Like, I'm a big little girl. Would you consider being that muscular? Do you like that look? I don't personally like muscular upper bodies. I want to wear a dress and look small and petite. So I've got some pickles that I need to unpickle and work out what I want to do. Apart from like so downsizing your quads, what other improvements do the judges want to see? Um, improved shot, like cap shoulders and then less conditioned. If you look at Steph, who's amazing... She's yeah. conditioned. So yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, you don't want to go on going soft. Like why? Would you, like that's the worst thing that you could do. Going in, going on, going on stage and being soft. Like they tell me like, oh, come in softer, come in softer. I'm like, you keep rewarding the most conditioned girl on stage. Like how can I come in softer? Like it's a really hard thing to to try and listen to. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think you know with her look and for everyone that probably you know. You definitely check her out, but I think her quads are quite good too. So in comparison, you know, when you line both of you up, both of you have quite big quads. I wouldn't say that your quads are so much bigger than hers because they're quite similar. So is this something that if they've given her the same feedback, downside your quads, yeah, we're rewarding you with the win, but you still need to get smaller. Is that something that you know that's happening or you're not sure? I'm not too sure, but they, you know, they said to me, look, we asked Steph to come in smaller and she came in smaller and I'm like, okay. Or was she that smaller? Like, I don't think so. I don't recall her being that much smaller because I, I watched the show and uh, I thought she was jacked. Yeah, the conditioning was quite extreme, I would say. So um, I, to me, that was confusing to, to hear that feedback because I know that we spoke about it and off air and I agree with you. I think both of you are very comparable and both of you have very similar physiques in terms of conditioning, size and proportion. So it's difficult to separate the two of you, but it's interesting that the judges want you a bit smaller, both of you. So if you're taking that on board and you're like, okay, I need to do whatever it takes to win. This is what they want. How would you go about downsizing your quads and how do you go about bringing in that smaller package? But obviously, like they mentioned, bringing up your shoulders or maybe a bit more width. Mm. What's the strategy for you? I, I would have to, I mean, I'd probably do a bit more cardio than what I normally do. And I would just have to take out anything that's quad dominant, you know, just work on hamstrings and glutes and yeah, not, not um, do much quad work, but you know, I guess something that I love about competing is the training to it. Like training morale for me is really important. And I think, you know, I've, in the past I have like in 2017, they said come in a bit smaller. So I downsized and then they're like, you're too small. Come back 2018, 
too big. Yep. 2019. I'm smaller, still too big. Do you remember your stage weights for those shows roughly? Or? Interesting because 2016, I was, I think I was 56. 2017, I was 55. 2018, I was 54. But I was fucking sliced to the brim. I knew I fell out of my category that year. Okay. And that was my feedback. You look like you should have stood next to Asha. That was yep. my feedback. And that was the first time that year that I looked at myself and went, whoa, look what you can do. And oh, fuck my physique that year was just on another level, but out of my category. I knew I didn't have it in 2018. I knew I'd fallen out of the category. I knew it. Like when they got me second, I was like, I know this. I knew it. They're like, and then the next, they're like, okay, now we need to have smaller, smaller shoulders. Now smaller shoulders after 2018. Smaller shoulders, smaller quads, bring up your glutes. Yeah. Are they still wanting you to bring up your glutes for this season? I asked and they said my glutes were, well, on, on the day they said, oh, your glutes are still a bit too small. And I'm like, I don't have small glutes. But now they're like, no, your glutes are fine. Just bring down your quads. So what do you think you need to do right now to win? I need to make a decision whether I'm going to do fitness or figure. That's what I need to do. That was going to be well. That, that, you know what I was getting at. So where, where is your heart at right now? You know what? I've never moved out of a category, which is quite, feels weird. I've always, as I said, like that association to fitness model. I think there's a part of me that's like, well, if I did figure, I can train the way I want to train. Like there's no, there's no, like, it's like, all right, like go and do your thing. But there is, yeah, I just, I guess there's a part of it that said disassociate myself with the fitness model side. And there's a side that's me like, just do fitness model and just come in the way you want to look. You know, there's, there's so many debates in my head, Troy, about like, <laughs> how do I want to go? And I don't think I'll make the decision for like another few weeks, okay. you know, about 12 weeks out, 12 weeks out if it's, if it's on. If the, bah- like, this is the thing, if the Bahamas aren't on, I will most likely do fitness for October. Yeah. Okay. So what, what's, the, what's the date of the Bahamas? August 14th, 15th. Ooh. Yeah, we're pushing it, I think, for that one. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And then the October show, so another couple months down the track. So hopefully that's open. About 20 weeks. I think that October show anyway is probably going to be the World Championships because people are going to be preparing for the Worlds, going, okay, where can I travel? Provided that, you know, there is international travel available for athletes. I'm not sure if that would be the case. It will yeah. be it will be your world championship at least I think. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like either excite me, like I I it, I guess it's like this year is like the only year that I'd probably be allowed to compete in Australia. That's exactly and, what I was thinking. Yeah. And Once you um, win the world cha- championship, you can't was, compete again. Yeah. So. The world is my jam. I love the world. I love the week of the world. I love seeing everyone. You know, it's the biggest show of the year. I, I every year I say, I want to do the Australian show. Mm. And I get told, oh, you can't. So <laughs> this is, I guess, the only, um, the only option, the only time I can do uh, Australia and, it, and, it, and it'll be okay. So whichever one happens, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do both. And, and you've got to walk out and win. That's right. Walk out and win. <laughs> I remember once I walked into a gym and I was like, the jam is here. And it was like full of old people. And they were like, I was like, oh, damn it. I ruined that one. Didn't quite, didn't quite get it. <laughs> That's so funny. Did you walk um, into a, You walked into a nursing home. <laughs> I thought that. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. 
that's that's my little pickle troy working out what i want to do and it's so interesting because when girls are like oh i've got to get my quads bigger fitness i'm like no you don't <laughs> don't make my mistake <laughs> yeah the, the the physiques are changing and there was a part of me i was like oh could i do wellness but i just come in too conditioned for wellness so yeah wellness i see them yeah i i, I think like ifb wellness versus wbff is two completely different looks you would suit like IFB wellness, but I think WBFF is going to be softer and smaller than the IFB version. So, because you see all these yeah. IFB freaks overseas, they're like, whoa, crazy, crazy legs. Brilliant. Yeah. I wanted to um, go back because we're, we're talking about long-term goals and I cut you off when we're talking about your business goals. So, you know, you, uh, where do you want to go with that? My business goals. Well, at the moment, yeah, I'd like to be working with more women. Um, and having more coaches under me to facilitate that. I mentioned before, we're working with the neuroscientist. We've been working with her for a year and um, we're actually building out a curriculum. Um, she's a neuropsych. So she's building up, out a curriculum for all the girls who come, who are part of SP. They not only get nutrition and training, they get mindset work with me. They get neuro, a neuroscientist doing a curriculum where she's going to facilitate that part of the mindset project i've got a meditation coach as well so i mentioned before like i just love helping people and for me it's like about transformation and self-mastery and what does that look like well everyone's idea of that's different but i want the pillars i want to be able to i guess give all the pillars of what a healthy human needs in their self-development and so that's kind of where i want to take my business is have you know be working with I don't know, 200 girls, 300 girls, I don't know, more if I can. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do that. But then have coaches that can facilitate that and that's kind of where I'd like to eventually take the SMP. And And you mentioned public speaking before, right? So is that something that you're going to start soon? Because I, I know that you had um, a few seminars sort of earlier. Was it earlier this year or last year? Both. Both, yeah. So yeah, both. I want to ask you what's stopping you yeah what's so what's stopping you from rolling some of them out yourself and just saying yolo i'm committing oh whatever excuse i give myself that sounds good um <laughs> oh i just get so nervous i just um it's just you know we met we talked about before about you know coaching is easy for you competing is easy for me that's not the i mean it's a challenge but it's not the greatest challenge the greatest challenge is the public speaking sure and I guess that's why I'm so attracted to it because it's so scary. And I guess what's stopping me is, God, I just find public speaking so, so nerve-wracking. Like, you know what I think is really cool though? If you were to, because I'm sure that if you started like a venture and you're like, okay, cool, I'm going to do one in New South Wales, I'm going to do one in Queensland. Initially, it's going to be through your organic followers, people that know you already you've established credibility. It's like, oh, I trust Hattie because she's really cool and all these other things. By having people know you, you may not know them, but that might you might find comfort in that. But then it's like, okay, cool. You just got to start from somewhere. And then why not do it with your organic followers that you have right now that like you already? You don't have to build rapport and a relationship with them because they're already going to be listening to you and they probably watch all your content anyway. And they love that you, the stories that you put up because you're very articulate and intelligent. So that would be easily broadcasted through a seminar, I think you would be letting yourself down by put, delaying it any further. So why not just say, you know what? Ooh, as soon as the COVID-19 is <laughs> done, I'm going to lock it in. 
you know what, Joy? It's like I think I had a part of me is like feels like it has to be a certain way when it it doesn't, or it'll be like, well, is this what people want, or is this going to be good enough? Or and I'm really passionate about the things that I talk about, you know. Um, things that I share on social media and it's a lot of it's mindset work and self-development work. Like that's my jam. That's the shit that I'm so incredibly passionate about and I love talking about. But when I'm nervous, I feel like I can't say what I want to say. Like I feel like I just like completely freeze. And I would love to, you know, one of my, okay, Troy, so one of my, one of my goals, one of my visions in my, in my mind that I'd love to do one day is have like a training camp. That's a boss. Morning, we do meditation and journaling stuff. Then like you eat, then we go and we fucking train. We might have strength work in the beginning, in the morning. Then you go and you have some lunch or whatever. You might go to the beach for a little bit. Then we come back, afternoon session, do our bodybuilding, giant set, kind of whatever, throw down stuff. Then in the afternoon, it's like, you know, they can go do what they want and then we all eat and talk about motivation. Like It's like this whole like week of training, all the rituals that I do, the journaling, the meditation work, some motivation work. Um, they've got some playtime. Um, you know, I teach them about macros and cooking and like that's, that is like, if I could, you know, I, I'm a daydreamer. I often daydream. So um, that's like something that I daydream about and I'm like, oh, one day I'd love to do that. And that feels like it would be easier for me than standing in front of people for a whole day and talking. Why not transition then? Maybe commit to that and then learn to talk to people in a, in a private setting and then go, okay, cool. I want to do a seminar. And the seminar could be on anything because obviously you've achieved so much and people look to you for inspiration. You'd be able to just do a seminar with 50 people. You don't have to do like 100, 500, blah, 1,000. Start small and then, you know, cr- create that audience, feel comfortable, build up. Practice makes perfect. Like, come on. We're talking about Les Brown, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, he just, he started from somewhere. And now he's like God mode. He's pretty much like black Jesus up on the public speaking oh, arena. I would love to see him live. Uh, I would, I would kill. I would, I would pay anything to see that dude. I know what you're saying, Troy. And I'm definitely like, it's definitely in my cards of having to be, to get done. What and would make like- you commit to it right now? What would you, what would you need to be like, I feel it. I feel it in my veins. <laughs> um, be honest something that i do is i just do i just i just i just bite the bullet and i do it i tend to put things on and then i'm like can can you serve the people right so you said a big thing of you is serving people and you enjoy it there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that you would be serving so many people and you'd be reaching a really cool audience because people need how you look at les brown and what how i look at les brown i would pay anything to go see him perhaps Mm. people feel the same way about you so you'd be doing them a service and yourself a service by just saying you know what I'm going for it. I'm, I'm, it's like, this is my WPFF stage now. I'm going to do it. I'm committing. Boom. So just say yes. I, I have some goals for myself for this year to, to do at least two seminars on my own at the end of the year. Ooh. So I would start in Sydney and then I would do one either on the Gold Coast or in Melbourne. So that's um, because, as you said, like, I just need practice. Like, it's just... It's like anything that we do, it's repetition. We only get good at the things that we practice. And what I say to my girls is like, never underestimate high frequency for skill mastery. You know, I was on a bit of a roll before. It's like, 
doing my seminars even with, with Bass and Tony. And then I knew that if I have a break too long, I'm going to get really like really nervous again. So yeah. it's, it is, it's that repetition and it's commitment, committing to it. You know, it, again, it's doing more, doing those goals, doing those things that demand more from us, right? So you can only show up when we commit and do the things that scare us and make us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the only way to grow. And I know that, and I can, you know, it's the same thing. We apply all these methods to the things that we're good at like training. Yeah. I can be uncomfortable in training. It's easy. Comfortable with public speaking. You know, that's, that's another new, story, but it's a new challenge. I know that I can, it's a new challenge and I know I can only get better at it by doing more of it, that commitment to it. Yeah, that's, that's deep and real, but um, I'm glad. So, all right. So let's say COVID-19 doesn't exist. Two seminars is a minimum. When would it be? Would it be like a November thing, December? I would do it. I would do it at the end of the year where competition prep's gone down. All the, like, the seasons of the girls have gone down. So there's less, there's more time. I would, what I would do is I would do it like a weekend after a weekend. So that consistent Yes. You, like as an example, you could do like the whole month of November. It's like weekend one, Sydney, weekend two, Gold Coast, weekend three, Melbourne, weekend four would be Perth. So probably Perth will get the best seminar because I've had practice. <laughs> so Sydney would be like, Ugh. but yeah. that's how I would do it. So it's like a whole month of traveling around and over the weekend, it's like getting better yeah. and better and better. And, you know, we did the second seminar with Bass, like, Melbourne, I was like, oh, they were even best. I was like, oh, you were so much better this time. And I was like, yeah. He's like, were you nervous? I was like, shitting myself, but I still got it done. You know, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's what we do. When it's time to be on, it's time to be on. It's game time, motherfuckers. Game time. Pressure. Pressure creates diamonds. I like how you went from, I'm going to do minimum two, and now you're talking about, you just added another two onto it. You're talking about four different places. That's what I do, Troy. That's That's how you got to roll. That's how I do it. I don't, I'll overcommit myself to make sure, motherfucker, you're doing it. Like that's an internal dialogue. It's like, Mm. if I write a program and I'm like, it has to be done. If it's written on paper, it's got to be done. Like I can't not do it. I can't do less than what I did before. And I'll always put in something that I think at the time was I thinking, but I get it done. So it's the same thing when I set like other goals to myself. It's like, because I know I can do it. That's the thing. Like, why play safe is something I say to myself. Like, why play safe? Yeah. You're not going to do it. Someone else is going to do it. So you better fucking do it. That's like my internal dialogue. Like, that comes up quite a lot. So. I think you just pretty much told the audience that you can do four seminars. So you better be, you know, a woman. <laughs> November. Your word. You're a woman of your word. So November. November. No, <laughs> That's great. So I wanted to ask you as well. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll come to your seminar i want to suss it out and then i want to be the person in the back now i won't be booing i'll be supporting would you do you, did you think i'd be booing or supporting you i'd hope you'd be supporting well, no, I, would, I would be supporting so i wanted to ask you as well what obstacles have you encountered not just with competing and fitness but in your business so obstacles and how did you overcome them oh, so many um my obstacles with business um Usually, and I don't know if you've experienced Troy, that I'm the, I'll be the first one that gets the beating. But then I'll look at what's happening. And I'm like, but they haven't followed through this process or this hasn't happened. But I'm the one that takes it on. I'm like, fuck, 
am I not good enough? What did I do? And so it's just like having a system place allows me to, well, how do I monitor my client? And then how do I also monitor myself? Yeah. I think the big thing is like, I used to like really over deliver things that or overdo things that didn't need to be done. Mm. I guess I just learned over time to set boundaries for myself and set boundaries for my clients. Like I'm not their best friend, even though, you know, we, we want to be, yeah, but I, I'm not. I've made I'm that mistake. I can't coach you as a best friend. I can coach you as a coach. Mm-hmm. I can shine a light on things that are, that are hard. And, but to be soft when you, with someone when they need like to look in the mirror is something that I learned that I had to do. Mm. Yeah. In the beginning, I didn't have any systems in place. Like, and so I had to learn if I wanted to work with more women to have a system, to have a schedule, to pre-plan myself so that, you know, everyone gets seen, everyone gets heard, everyone gets the love and attention that they deserve. What else? I guess I've learned how to... Oh, what are the obstacles? God, there's been so many. I can't think of any. Changed a lot since it first started, that's for sure. Yeah. How about this? So do you, do you remember someone or you can think of anyone? I don't want to put ideas in your head, but I want an authentic answer if you can. Someone in your life that touched your heart and how that person may have influenced who you are today. Oh, that's such a big question, Troy. We're going deep today. Oh, you know, normally I'd be able to answer this and I can't even think on the spot. I mean, if I, to be honest, like two people that are, have uh, been a big impact on my life and the first one is my mum. And my mum is the, one of the most caring people I've ever met in my life. I'm so grateful that she's just been so loving to everyone. Like she, you could be, like she would love you like you're her son. She just met you. Like she's just... She's so loving and so optimistic and that, I guess, I feel like I've got a lot of similarities between like with with me and my mom and just, just seeing how she was with people. It just really, I guess, just treats everyone with love and fairness. doesn't matter who you are. Someone that I admire so much, it's funny, is my sister. So you probably don't know, no one knows about my sister. Not many people, unless you follow me, see a little bit of her on my social media. She has changed a lot. So I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this. She was a really, really naughty teenager. Actually, her, so my whole family, like my brother and my sister was so naughty when they were growing up. Like, I remember speaking to my brother and being like, how are you even, how are you even my brother? Like, you're so angry all the time. And she was the same. And they were both really, they were going through their own thing. And it wasn't until they started to become young, you know, adults that they recognised there's got to be another way of experiencing themselves and experiencing the world. And they went away and they did a whole heap of work on themselves. And like, they are like my favorite people in the entire world. They are again, the most beautiful, fun, loving, crazy, like fucking crazy loose, but just, just really amazing people. And I just feel so lucky that I've got so much amazing you know, my, my family's really, really amazing. My dad nearly died a few years ago and that was like a really big turning point, you know, for him um, and his life and looking at life differently. And, um, you know, I really admire like all the people in my family. They're just really amazing people. 
It's such a hard question to ask. I feel like there's so many people in my life that have come and gone or supported me in some way or even just showed up in some way where I thought that's inspiring to be or that's how a real human should be. And I've always, I've always thought, wow, people have always helped me. Troy, I've been really, really blessed in my life to people have always wanted to help me. And I guess that's why I think, well, all I can do is give back. Like that's something I think about. I'm like, well, they've helped me. So I'm going to help someone else. You know, even when I was sick in hospital, I'm grateful for the women around me then because they were the ones that showed me this isn't life. There's another way that we have to live. This can't be it. And that inspired me to make a change and change my life and help women. I wish I could pinpoint one person, but I can't. I'm just so, yeah. I'm really lucky. Sorry. It's interesting. Really energy, you receive good energy, you give out good energy. And I think if you're, most of the time, you're a good person, you have good people around you. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you as well, because you mentioned hospital and we can touch on that for a second. So what happened there? So when I was in high school, I um, developed anorexia. Well, I actually developed depression first and then anorexia. And um, that was a big turning point in my life because at that time, I feel like it was me grieving from a friend. She died in a, in a really a freak accident and it was the first time I'd ever experienced death. And I just thought, Shh, fuck, like life can be taken away from us like that, just like that. And I was like, well, if that's the way, if that's how quickly life can go, I'm going to make the most out of everything. I want to get the best grades because I was really naughty in school. I'm going to, you know, look after myself and start eating healthy, which I had no idea about. My God, it was woeful. Um, I'm going to train. Um, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to change everything about myself. And I didn't even realize that I didn't like myself. Like at the time, I don't remember ever thinking, like, I thought I was killing it in high school. I had big boobs, loved the boys, like, whatever, having a great time. And, um, yeah, I just, like, flipped, flipped the switch and started to isolate myself from my friends because I wanted to get good grades because I thought, well, I can't sit next to them, otherwise I'm just going to be naughty. So I'd sit at the front of the room and, like, I remember the, class, the teachers were like, why is Hattie at the front? And, uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a really big assignment coming up. It was a public speaking, it was a speaking assignment. And I studied really hard for it. And uh, I remember, so the teachers had to change when they came in. So we wouldn't get our normal teacher. And the teacher walked in and I thought, oh, shit. It was uh, my German teacher and I was really naughty in German. And she put me on detention and she caught me throwing a chair out the window. And I was in a lot of trouble that day. And anyway, she um, she failed me on the assignment. And that's where the, the kind of, oh, no matter how hard you try, you're never going to be good enough kind of. Uh, loop started to develop and from there I became incredibly controlling of everything that I did food had to couldn't eat till I'd done my study couldn't eat till I'd done my nutrition I like I'd done my training and then eventually you know the food got less and less and less and less and I just tried to control everything because I felt so out of control and that's really where public speaking my fear of public speaking came about that 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 failure of that speech was something I I realized um, happened and I ended up getting hospitalized for a good year. Um, actually fell into a coma and ended up in intensive care. Uh, my first day of being in hospital. Uh, first day of, yeah, being in the hospital. And um, yeah, I, I honestly, the hospital 
really helped me go like look around and go, I hate being told what to do, Troy. I hate being told what to do unless I've asked for help. And if I've asked for help, please let me like help me. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just made me realize, oh my God, this is not life. This is not living. I, stop telling me what to do. I don't want to eat that food. Like I just got to get out of here. And I realized the only way I'm going to get out is if I do what they tell me to do for this period of time and then I can go and do whatever I want. Yeah, it was a turning moment where I was like, there's, there's got to be another way. This cannot be life. There was girls that had been in there for seven years, Troy, seven years. I was like, fuck that. And that was like the first big turning moment where I was like, okay, if I've got to help others, I've got to, I've got to get out of this myself. Like I can't try and teach someone something and not, not be doing it on my own. For people that are listening and that might have gone or is, are going through something similar, because obviously every situation is different, but what advice would you give them? I think the first thing is to, I mean, you've got to, to you know, anorexia is a, it's one hell of an eating disorder and, or disorder, illness, and you have to want to get help. You, you have to want to get help. And um, I think asking your own question is, is this really living? Is this how you want to live your life? Is there, there's no freedom in this. And I know it feels really scary to get help because it's a coping mechanism. You can start to feel out of control. But there's so much more to life than the other side of recovery. I can't begin to tell you. Recovery equals freedom. Life happens when you're healthy. And the relationship that we have with ourselves is the most important relationship that we could ever have. And once you start to develop that relationship with you, you're never going to be in anyone else. We're never going to be, I'm never going to be Lauren Simpson. Like I'm never going to be anyone else. And for a period of time, I wanted to be someone else until I realized this is what I've got. How do I make the most of it? If this is what I've got, what do I have to do to be on my greatest level? And that took some time, you know, working that out, but you have to ask yourself some deep questions. If you think life is good in, in like in that state, it's amazing when you're out of it. You get friendships, you have friendships, you have love, you've got play, you can train hard. If training is your thing, you can go and train hard. Like the whole energy of your life, life changes, but you have to want to be out of it to do it because it is a really difficult it's a really difficult illness. It, it all starts with your mind. It all starts with the mind. I wanted to um, ask you, you know, just a, on a lighter note, you know, before you started out competing, is there anything that you would tell your younger self? Like you're 18 years old and you're like, yeah, I want to start competing now. What would you tell your younger self? Get a coach. Mm. Just straight up get a coach. Straight up get a coach. A lot of mistakes I, were made. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I started doing my preps when I was, what, 20 or 21 and just by reading whatever was in there and just listening to whatever everyone else was doing and it was the count calories and do your cardio and limit this food group and don't eat dairy and don't eat this. And blah, blah. and again, I thought there's got to be another way. <laughs> like I feel like I'm just going back into a knee disorder. <laughs> there's got to be another way. Yeah. And if I could go back in time, that's one thing I think – Fuck, I wish I just got a coach straight off the bat. So how long were you sort of um, doing your own thing until you got a coach? Um, 2013 was the first time I started working with Simon. That was Tony Bataji. 
Yeah. So, and what, what show was that for? It wasn't even for a show. It was actually just to train. Off someone. season. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, cause I, I said off air, I said, first thing you compete, I'm pretty confident. Like I've got really good memory. I'm saying it might've been 2011 IMBA. Yeah. yeah was it? Yeah. Australian yes. title. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you, you won that. And you know, what's funny. I remember seeing you on stage. Uh, I can't remember what I was there for, but I remember seeing you and I was like, look at your calves. Like they were just crazy separated. That's the first thing that stood out to me. And I was like, I think she gone win. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so funny. So you did that prep yeah. by yourself. Yeah. That is crazy. You did really good. You were winging it. You're yeah, people don't understand. Like you actually won convincingly that show. And for someone to wing a, a national title is quite amusing. Yeah, it was, um, that was, God, so long ago. I think that was my second ever show. Your second ever show? Because you would have um, done, what, the New South Wales state title, yeah. I guess it would have been, and then you came to Melbourne for that Australian title. Yeah. What's your resume? What's your resume like? Because you've, you've, how many Australian titles did you win for IMBA? Well, because I did 2011, but then 2012, I went overseas for a year, and then I came back 2013, competed a few times, and I did, I did Muscle Mania that year and I won the Muscle Mania model, Miss Model Universe that year. That was a big deal the back then. <laughs> huh? That was a big, big deal back then, Muscle Mania. Like for an Australian to go over and win that, it's like almost impossible for anyone that's listening. Like they have no idea how big that was. I got second in the bikini division and then I won the model, the model one. And um, I remember like I had a $13 bathing suit for... for uh, Baywatch and um, I went over there on my own and I remember winning and I was just there on my own and I called my mum I was like oh mum I, I won the thing she was like oh my God, amazing and then I was just like I don't have any, I don't have any friends and I'm going out partying with the Korean team that didn't speak English <laughs> so oh, that's great to celebrate with so my mum said to me you're never going to do another show overseas again mm. on your own but since then my mum has come to every show Cause she just felt so, I remember just sitting there like, yeah, cool. Like that was awesome, but there's no one here to like play with. So yeah. But um, yeah, that was a big thing. Cause I remember when I went to go to WBFF, they sent me this like really big letter. Cause I didn't realize like I, I was still just like competing. Just like, yeah, I'm just going to compete. Like, yeah, I like, really enjoy doing it. Mm. And then like this letter from them saying, we're not going to use you on their posters anymore. You've like moved and I was like, oh, fuck, this is, this is a big thing. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so interesting, you know, uh, like you just, um, you won a, obviously, Australian title, Muscle Mania. Winning that is pretty much like the equivalent of winning, winning a world title for WBFF, let's be real, for people that don't understand how serious that is. And I would say, what, what more Australians have won a WBFF world title than Muscle Mania, just to put that into perspective. I want to ask you as well, you know, you, you talked about your competitiveness and your drive to be better. Where does that motivation come from? Um, I never want to be mediocre. And what is mediocre? I, what is mediocre to you? And what separates someone from being mediocre and next level? So, what do you do to go next level? Well, I ask myself every day, what do I have to do to take myself to the next level? What do I have to? Do? What's my language? How do I have to think? What's my rituals? What's my structure look like? Um, what I've already achieved? Okay, what looks greater than that? I mean, I've said to you, I want to be the greatest of all time. I want people to remember me and be like, fuck, Addie Boyd, what an athlete. And 
I don't just want to be a fitness model. I want to be more than that, which is why I want to do the public speaking. You know, I feel like fitness is motivating, but to be able to help people ask deeper questions about themselves for themselves is so much more impactful on the world. How do we, how do I create a happy human being? Because a happy human being is going to look after themselves and is also going to look after the environment. And that's something that's really important to me. And, you know, what does the greatest of all time look like? I mean, it does help to have won multiple world titles, which is something that, you know, I would love to do. You know, I'd love to win at least three world titles. But there's so much more impact outside of that. And that's why, you know, I love the public speaking stuff. And I do, I have started to do more IGTVs on my on my Instagram speaking more because that's where I'm really passionate about. And sometimes I can't articulate how I feel in it writing on words. I prefer to express it. Like I'm quite an expressive person. I use my hands, my face moves a lot. And again, I use that as practice for when I am going to be speaking in front of other people. And as I said, yeah, I never want to be mediocre. I never want to get complacent, which is why I set these goals that are scary because I know I can do them. They just scare me, which is what a goal should be about, right? What's the point of hitting a goal where it's easy? Where's the, where's the growth in that? You know, that's why I love, I love pushing my body to the boundaries. I love doing Nordics that people can't do. I want to squat double body weight for reps. I want to put it in a fucking circuit. I want to get on stage at, you know, shred it. I want to be hitting these stupid numbers, but like before I even get on stage, I want to have one in my process before I even get on stage. Like that to me is what competing is about. It's like, I'm an animal. I'm a beast. Like, that's literally what I think. I'm like, I'm an all-rounder. Tell me, like, hit me with it. Like, I'll, I'll do it. And that's what demands more from me. Like, stretching the limitations allows us to be our greatest versions of ourselves. You've got a boundary, push it. Ain't that the truth? When do, you, when do yeah. you think, you know, like this, this type of mindset that you've developed, right? So is this something that you think has developed over time? And, you know, because you mentioned that you were, like, probably a little bit timid and nov- like nervous, I guess, with the 2016 win. So how do you think, you know, you've developed this strong, committed mindset and self-belief and how do you think it is right now versus it compared to how it might be in the next 12 months? How do you build on your belief system and the commitment to yourself? What's the next step to take it up another notch? The first one was reflecting in, because normally I say like the human body is the most amazing machine we'll, we'll ever get to play with but the body only does what the mind does what the mind believes what the mind tells it to do and then when I was like it's all about the mindset like I can achieve anything if I'm willing to do the work on my mindset and I learned that from looking back at you know my anorexia and being like you nearly bloody killed yourself if you're going to put that amount of effort into that you can sure as hell put the same amount of effort into being the best version of yourself and you know, after 2016 it was like to not see your own success is ultimate failure. I failed myself. I failed myself. I did. Didn't even let myself have the win. And it was like, I, if I'm going to do this, you know, I'm not playing that game anymore. It was like, I have these internal dialogues with myself to try and it's like, you're not playing that fucking game again. <laughs> and that was like, okay, let's like, you can do this. You just like, you just won that world title, but now you're going to basket it. Now you're going to enjoy it. Let's go again and let's push it. Let's push it. Let's push it. And it is the relationship with myself. As I started to just focus on, well, how do I be the best version of me? I'm not going to be anyone else. Like, 
I'm just going to stay in my own lane and go faster and faster and faster. And rituals, you know, I do a lot of journaling. Journaling is a space. It doesn't talk back to me, right? It just listens. Um, so I do a lot of journaling. I write a lot of things. Um, meditation, a lot of breathing work. I love visualization. I visualize myself on stage. I visualize myself squatting. I visualize myself dying in the squat, but I'm doing it. And it, like self-belief is, God, it is the, it's such a powerful tool. Self-talk is a powerful tool. Like we all talk to ourselves internally. We have inner critics of ourselves and then we have our visions of ourselves and they contradict each other sometimes. But I realized that you know, self-talk is an amazing tool only if it's backed by self-belief. Otherwise, it just becomes punishment. It just becomes self-bullying. And like I said, that high standard without self-compassion, that's just self-bullying. I've had a high standard of myself and I've bullied myself the whole time. I became the bully. I, you know, when I was in primary school, I was really badly bullied. I became that bully to myself. Like I just took on the characteristics of those bullies to myself. I was like, how am I doing this to myself? This isn't fulfilling. I don't feel good. How come I can love and treat everyone else so friendly, but I can't be that to myself? Like that was, I was like, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. Like that's a realization I had. And I was like, I'm going to love and treat myself the way I'd love and treat someone else, my mom, my sister, my client. Like why do I have special rules for myself? I can have high standards of myself, higher standards than what other people have, but I need to have some compassion in there and self-love in there because self-love gets us further than what punishment and hate does. Pain creates a change, but it can't be the motivator forever. And pain did create a change. It did. But it couldn't be my motivator forever because it was never success. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see any wins. Now I, all I see is my wins. I create ways of winning in myself. Like, yes, I hit a PB today because I could. You know, it's like, how do I... How do I keep winning in my own mind? Will I create my own games myself? And it's, as I mentioned, it's like, it's all about the mind, the mind, what the mind tells, tells us to do, what the mind believes, what the language is, what the quality of our thoughts. That's how we develop and create an amazing relationship with ourselves. Are you big on affirmations? I used to be really big on affirmations. And it's not that I'm not big on them. I just don't use them as much. But I definitely use like games for myself and um, I notice, I just, I really, there are some, yeah, there are times when I use affirmations. Mm. I'll be like, I'm a lion, I'm a, I, I, yeah, I'm a lion, I'm a warrior, I'm a winner, I'm a champion, I'm a lover. Like that's, like that's things that I'll go through in yeah. my mind or write down, I write down intentions, I write down the energy of the intentions. I write down the qualities that I need for this goal, for particular goals. And it's interesting. I don't know if you ever think about this, Troy, but like when you're in a hard set, normally we speak to ourselves in third person. You can do this. You can do this. And I'm like, no, I can do this. It's fucking me. I can do this. And it's like, again, just shifting that language so, so slightly, like from, I, from, from you to I. It's really interesting. That's what I've been observing a lot of. The language, yeah, the language you use to ourselves is really important. And I, and I've, you know, language, words have meaning. Our stories have power or language has power. Stories have meaning, both of them. And so what stories are we telling ourselves? What language are we using towards ourselves? It's really important. 
internal dialogue is everything. And just like negative self-talk, the positive things that you say to yourself is so very important, but also what you don't want to say. And a lot of people have made that mistake and I've definitely made that mistake. So has there been in, in the past, have you also gone down that road and like, Ooh, negative self-talk and then you got to correct yourself as you go along? Oh man, totally. I, one of the things I'll look at like on a day where I'm, you know, we all have our days with character building days, I'd like to say. Um, oh, and yeah. I'll be like, what's the language? What's my language? And I'll catch myself and I'll notice that. And then I'll generally, I'll, I'll go and journal. I'll write it out. I'm like, okay, what's, what's my loop? What am I saying? How do I dissect it? Okay, how do I change that language? And, you know, we all, like, there's no, no one escapes negative self-talk. Something I said to my girls is like, when I'm in a prep, I notice I'll have like eating disorder things that will mm. come up. The difference is that I don't go down that path. I notice I'm like, oh, oh, that's there. But there's a difference between observing and writing. I don't write a thought. I observe it, but I don't go with it. And, you know, this is, they're negative thoughts, right? They're not positive thoughts, but it's whether you, you know, play with them, encourage them, make them stronger, or do you go recognise that they're there but we still keep going down this way and we still honour the process. We still honour, no, I'm going to use this language. I'm going to continue down there. You know, because it's easy to be negative. It's easy to be negative. You know, just like fat talk is contagious, right? Everyone, you know, someone's, as soon as someone says something negative, everyone's like, yeah, and then I did this. And then that negative, just this negative conversation rather than just being like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm not gonna go down that one. I think that's, people it's probably a daily battle for some people and especially probably in isolation and i think it's very important what you say to yourself and go for a walk chill out so it's also your environment so you mentioned before that you know you have a really good team around you family friends supporters etc have there been any distractions and you thought wow it took me so long to recognize that you know this environment or this person or this friendship or relationship was distracting me from doing what i needed to do and that then influenced your behavior Hold on, try my my battery's gonna die. Can I run upstairs and quickly get my yeah 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 charge? <laughs> you look jackedish, mother like a motherfucker, yo. What? Yeah, you do like in a good way. <laughs> so pretty much what I what I asked you was about you know we're talking about uh, relationships. So anyone like we're talking about positive self talk, negative self talk, and then your environment is very important to you. And then having negative people affecting your environment and have, is that something that you've noticed? Because obviously you mentioned that you have a really good support system, but have you in the past had negative people around you and how did you discover that and that influenced your behavior and how you felt about yourself? I actually, you know, something I think the closest answer I can give you to that is, you know, people that we're, that we know, everyone goes through different phases in their lives. Right. Mm. And if there was ever a time that I had to move away from someone, whether it be a friend or a relative, it's because they were going through something and I didn't want to participate in it. So there's been periods in my life where I've had to see friends less because I guess what I was doing was hard um, or what they were doing was not something that I wanted to be a part of. You know, I've always come back to those people because I just recognise that they're just going through something. And the best thing for me was to just move away um, or not speak to them that much. And I learned, you know, my friends, are, I'm really lucky, like, you know, I've got friends on social media, but most of my friends are not on social media. And 
they're not into fitness and what they think what I do is like crazy. So it's just hard for them when I'm in a prep because I'm not around that much. You know, I don't go and do all the parties and I don't go and do all the dinners. So that's, I think that's a little bit harder for them, but they appreciate everything that's, that I do. But in terms of like really negative environments, I've actually been really lucky that I don't, that I haven't really experienced that. The only negative environment I can remember is just being in, being in primary school when I got bullied, but that's, that's it. And to be honest, I'm really grateful for that period of my life because it taught me to just love other people. Like I would never bully someone ever, you know? So I, cause I know what it feels like awful. Like I would just never do that to someone. So that was a really hard time. Of course it was really hard, but again, it's, it came with the gift of just not treating someone like that. <laughs> That's yeah, probably I, I don't think anyone's going to look at you and bully you now because <laughs> that's probably the last thing they'd want to do. We spoke off air initially about like quarantine and COVID-19 and adapting to the lifestyle. So I wanted to ask you, you know, on air, how is quarantine going for you and are you enjoying the process? <laughs> to be honest, yeah, like I said, I was more isolated and alone outside of isolation than I am now. I moved into one of my best friend's places uh, with her husband and we've been friends for like 17 years and, and I laughed. I said, who would have thought a pandemic would bring us under the same roof? And I'm actually having a blast. I'm having so much fun. Um, I'm really lucky. I've got a fully equipped gym in the garage. She even said to me yesterday, she said, Hattie, I love you being here. I haven't been this happy in three years. And I said, well, you're really lucky. I'm really happy too. So, because um, I officially moved in on the weekend. So I said, well, at least you're going to have me for at least a year. Because <laughs> her husband goes, when everything like gets lifted, are you going to leave? And I was like, no. <laughs> I'm honestly having the best time. I mean, my stress is down. I'm getting all my work done. I'm training like an animal. I'm having just, you know, I've got more social engagement now. You know, I'm having more contact with friends now than I was before. So I'm having, I honestly, I'm having such a good time. I'm, I'm more nervous. It makes me more anxious about when everything's going to be lifted and life's going to get fast again because my life in Sydney is so fast that for it to slow down, it feels better. Well, you're, you're winning. You're very, um, very much winning. When... No, that's not every experience and I understand that. No, that's cool. But I mean, I think attitude is very important and you've obviously taken the good with the bad. And I think that's very important. Moving forward after COVID-19, you know, when you said things speed up for you, so what exactly speeds up and what are you expecting for your, you know, for yourself over the next 12 months, apart from your public speaking gigs? I hate getting in the car, Troy. Like, so going from appointments to appointments, from gym to gym, just being back in traffic, having to fly places, that kind of demand, I'm happy that it's not there. That's pretty much like, now I have these open spaces in my day where I'm not driving in the car like city traffic's hectic yeah and i just i've just noticed like not having to do that is really calming for me and you know some days i can train twice a day i love that i have the space and the energy and the recovery to do it i don't want to have to get in the car and drive somewhere i don't want to do that i would probably still continue my training at the house actually oh really of course i love me you know there's what's really interesting troy is like this prep is so different because 
you know, normally last year when I was getting ready for the world, I was going through a really tough time. Like one of the toughest times I think I've experienced since anorexia. And I remember my mum saying to me, you know, Hattie, maybe you shouldn't get ready for the stage. Maybe you should just have a year off. Cause I was, and I just said, there's no way I've worked my ass off for 10 years. I am not, not doing it. And it was literally like, boom, soldier. It's like, shut, I shut down all the emotions. I just cut everything off and I just went into this prep. So I was in like this fight and flight mode. Like it was an escapism, that prep. And it, for me, it was like, it was almost like my savior because it reminded me of like who the fuck I am and what I can actually do. And I'm so grateful that for that prep, but the energy was so different from this year. This year, it's like, it's calm, really calm. There's still an animal in there, but it's not this redlining, adrenaline, escape, get away, can't stop moving kind of feeling. And, you know, the energy of training in the garage is so different from the energy of training at base gym or, you know, when I train with, um, with Tony at his gym, it's so different, but it's still really fulfilling. And I'm sleeping better because I'm not redlining everything. And um, so now I'm like, well, I don't want to get in the car and drive, you know, for 40 minutes to the gym. Like I, I can develop, I can, I can create my own stimulation here. I can get all my training distance done. I'm still training like an animal. I'm still pushing myself. Like I'm quite happy to keep doing things here because stress management is important. Because it's so important. It's one of the most important things when it comes to changing our physique. And um, I don't want to do it the other ways that I've been doing it. I want to continue to sleep and and um, not feel so stressed. Yeah, COVID's been, um, to be honest, I've had a really great time and I feel really lucky and I've had a lot more balance. Like on the weekends, I play with, you know, I dance around with my girlfriend. I would never normally do that. Like I would just be such a soldier. I would just cut myself off from a lot of things. This time I don't feel that way. So it's nice. I wanted to ask you as well, beauty is defined in, in many different ways. How do you define beauty? And that's beauty of the physique. Uh-huh. Yeah. Beauty comes in all shapes and sizes. And, um, so funny cause I, I love big titties. Like I love big boobs. I feel like I love when I see a voluptuous woman, I'm like, oh, damn girl, you are fucking hot. And then I love petite women. And then I like, I love women and I just think they're so beautiful. And you know, what makes a beautiful physique? Well, confidence is the most important thing for me. For, for a, a girl that can just like a woman that can just carry herself, she could be you know, muscular. She doesn't have, she can be, you know, more voluptuous, more curvy. Like it's all about, to me, it's like what makes someone sexy is like just loving themselves, like owning themselves. And it's always changing. Like I don't, you know, I used to, it's so funny, Troy. I used to really think muscle was awful. I had went through this dilemma. This is, you know, when I was recovering from anorexia. When I was little, I was really muscular. I've always been muscular my whole life. I did gymnastics for nine years. And my sister used to say to me, you look like a boy. You look like a man. Ew, you don't have any boobs. You look like a boy. And I was really muscly. I had a six pack, everything. I was jacked. You know, when I was growing up and I had anorexia, then those feelings that at the time I brushed off, they started to play on my mind. So when I started training, I started to associate myself with Oh no, I'm getting muscle. I look more masculine. I used to have really big boobs. You're never going to believe it, but I did. And uh, as I got leaner and as my body changed, you know, I, I lost my boobs. And then I thought, oh, well, now I'm not going to be attractive anymore. I'm not going to, I'm going to be less attractive or, 
you know, I didn't, I didn't really see myself as attractive anyway for a really long time. And, you know, I, yeah, I was like, thought I was yeah masculine, you know, cause of muscle. And it was really hard because I loved training. So I loved training, but I didn't, and I was getting muscle when I didn't want to get muscle because then I was going to be masculine. And that was like this repetition in my brain. Now it's like, I have a completely different relationship with my body. And it's like, my muscles are, is a representation of my hard work. Like my body is strong. I'm an efficient human being. I can carry shit for people. I can look after people. I can run. I can like, I can, I can help carry things like, you know, <laughs> I was packing my house the other day and I was carrying these fucking boxes and I'd carry the, I'd, my sister's boyfriend was helping me. And I was like, no, no, I'll get the heavy ones. <laughs> Cause I was like, no, 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 you can't handle that. I'll do it. And Boss <laughs> mode. Boss mode. Like, you know, now I look at my position and I'm like, this is a representation of the love and the hard work and the discipline that I put in. So now I look at my physique and I'm like, you know, it's beautiful in its own way. You know, muscle is beautiful. Curves are beautiful being petite, tiny skin, whatever it is. Like, I think the most important thing is like to own your own, how you want to look. Yeah. Look up, look after it. You know, I, I love natural looking physiques and um, it definitely, I mean, I'm a big personality person. So someone's energy is really important. Yeah. With, um, I want to touch on your favorite physique. So like, let's say it doesn't have to be WBFF, could be any organization or anyone in Instagram land. Who do you think in terms of what you like, if it's muscle, if it's a combination of symmetry, aesthetics, whatever, three people that you can think of that you really like their physiques? I, I mean, I loved Andrea's physique. I thought she was, she was pretty amazing. Um, yeah. I love uh, Georgia Priscina's physique. Mm-hmm. And um, I also love, I, I love Rachel Dillon's physique. I think it's a really beautiful bikini physique. It's a healthy looking physique. Um, I mean, Georgia Pristina's physique is incredible. It's a beautiful balance of muscle, symmetry, leanness, um, whether she's on stage or off stage. Andre Bazir, you know, she's got quite a unique, if you look at her proportions, they're weird proportions, but they're amazing. Her, like, Yeah, she really set the tone for everyone, I think, in terms of muscularity and it being attractive as well, because it was like, okay, here's a good looking girl looks freaky, a lot of muscle. And I think it, she probably set the tone and made it okay for ladies to be muscular and sexy for lack of a better word. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're just three physiques and I did pick them all, you know, muscular. I mean, um, what I do love about Rachel's physique is it's womanly. It's, you know, softer, it's beautiful. She's, she's got lovely proportions. She's a beautiful human being. And I mean, there's some crazy physiques out there. Crazy. I want to say though, right. The world's last year, GG, you know, I think she should have went straight to the top. That's just, that's just my opinion. What are your thoughts on that? Look, when I look at the, I mean, between her, Lauren and Rachel, who are three, three women that I just really love. The thing about WBFF is it's, it's a beauty pageant. You know, the judging criteria is a lot greater than what IFBB is. You know, IFBB is bodybuilding. It's structured. It's same poses, this. It's a, it's a criteria, right? You've got a black and white, okay? Yeah. Black and white. And WBFF is, is harder in the way that there's a lot of gray. And if they're looking at someone that's going to represent their brand, which is what they look for, what they say they look for, then to me, either of those three girls can do that job. 
they can carry the brand like that because they're mm. driven and they're beautiful. They work hard. They're caring. They're kind. I'm going to say it one more time. They're beautiful. You know, they're such beautiful girls. And so it's a hard one. You know, if it was more of like an IB, IBB style judging, then yeah, Gigi, she, she has an impressive physique that's undeniable. You know, she, she's in her own, for me, she's like in her own league. You know, she needs her own fucking category. <laughs> you know, I, I she's got an incredible physique. That's why, you know, I, I, yeah, I look at her and I think, wow, you're, you're really amazing. You know, but Rachel Dillon to me, again, she is, she can hold a brand and she has a healthy looking physique, one that young girls can aspire to have and can maintain. She's a hard worker, man. If there's someone that I admire, it's her. And I admire her because she's got a great work ethic. She's so caring and kind and genuine and down to earth. She's beautiful. She's funny. Can take the piss out of herself. I mean, I mean, that's actually all three of them, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So that's my thoughts on, on that. But I get it. You know, everyone's always going to have their own opinion of who they think should win. And that's the beauty of the sport because what everyone feels looks the best is going to be different. It's yeah. Well, I think um, they're probably going to encourage her to go to wellness anyway. So she might be the fa new face of wellness. I'm assuming that would be probably the case. Yeah, I think she should do fitness. Really? You reckon she should upgrade? Yeah. It depends on, it's, it's hard to say because it's just speculation at this point in time, what the WBFF wellness category is going to look like. But I assume that it's going to be a little bit more muscular than bikini and she would probably mm -hmm. fit that mold and that criteria. But in terms of conditioning, I don't know what they're looking for at this stage, but I'm sure the judges could probably lead her in the direction. But for me, I think if she's not, if Gigi's not perfect for bikini and I know that she's probably been told she's been a bit too muscular some at some points and maybe too conditioned, she could probably take a step up and really take that category. I think that she would be probably the perfect person for that category. She definitely could hold a category like hundred percent. Going back to that though, for the figure, so we got Asha. Asha, have you seen um, Belinda, WBFF? Uh, she turned pro in figure last year, I think, at the New South Wales show, was it? New South Wales? Have you seen? I was away for that show. Are you away for that show? Uh, I'll, I'll have to show you off air. That's all right. I was just going to say, what do you think about Belinda versus Asha? Because she's probably the next figure pro that's going to look really good. And I think that's going to be challenging for that spot. I, uh, yeah, I don't know Belinda. I mean... Yeah, she's yet to do a pro debut because she was looking at doing a pro debut, I think, for that Atlantic show. Was that right? And then obviously COVID-19 happened and yeah, so that would have been a pro debut. LA. Is it LA? LA, sorry. Yeah. I mean, I think the the figure girls, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of fitness girls moving to figure because of mm. feedback. into muscular. So I actually think the figure category of the next year is going to really grow. I mean, two girls that I absolutely love in figure uh, good friends of mine. I mean, it's Asher and Emily and uh, two incredible physiques. And again, really, really wonderful people. Both, I feel, are really great role models in the in the fitness industry for women. And uh, it's going to be really exciting, actually. It's going to be really exciting to see the figure category get bigger again. And I think that's why they started to introduce the wellness and, you know, so that some of the harder bikini girls can go to wellness. Some of the harder fitness girls can go to figure. Yeah. And it'll just spread out or is a little bit better. So, you know, everything's always evolving. Everything's always changing. If we look at the physiques, how they've changed over time in mean, both IFBB and WBFF, they're all changing. And that's just how sport works. Like that's just how physiques work. So 
I think it's going to be really exciting. I mean, Asher is, man, she's an she's a incredible woman and um, her physique is amazing. So it will be really interesting to see, you know, who shows up and what shows up, either at Worlds or the next shows that come about. It's very exciting. Definitely. What is your opinion? If Let's say, for example, if you were coaching Lauren Simpson, right? Would you put her into wellness? No, I put her into fitness. Into fitness? Mm. Because if, the, if they don't want bigger quads, then if they're trying to streamline a fitness model, then she would be better because wellness is going to be thicker in the legs. That's for like Yurishna and the, the Brazilian girls. That's their category. A bit more leg heavy. Yeah. They okay. don't want the fitness yeah so fitness should really be more i suppose based on aesthetics symmetry proportion you know it's hard to sort of to speculate so i'm assuming then it's going to be very similar to ifub in terms of size would that be right yeah i mean they don't like a lot of muscle in any of the categories to be honest yeah yeah exactly so that's what i was thinking it's, it's gonna be very interesting to see because i know that lauren's probably come in really conditioned and they probably don't like that super condition I'm assuming because obviously if they're rewarding Rachel with the win for overall, her overall package is a little bit softer. She has a you know, bit of muscle on her legs, but I think Lauren and Gigi are a bit more conditioned. So I'm assuming they're the judges have probably told them to move up a couple categories. Well, not up a couple, but move up to wellness. That's what I would think. Yeah. They want the, want the bikini girls, that's why they put Rachel there. That's where they want them. Yeah. So they're trying to reshuffle you know, how they want the girls to come in and what they want them to look like and have more girls spread out throughout the different categories. And that's why there was such a big, I mean, a big, the change in the, in the bikini championship last year. Yeah. Um, it was a pretty big shock, you know. Lauren, to me, she looked better than the year before, without a doubt, but still too hard for the category. Yeah, I think so. she was probably more conditioned, if anything, than the year before. And I think that might have cost her. Yeah, yeah, impressive, probably more impressive, but not for the judges' liking. I have a couple of questions here just from, um, from the audience because I've, I've been you know, asking questions as we're going on. But can bikini girls lift heavy without growing their core? And I'm assuming bikini girls could be any, any lady. So what do you think about lifting heavy like deadlift squats, et cetera, and does that grow your waistline type of thing? I think it depends on how you lift and what your genetics are. So if you're someone that's... You know, as an example, I take out my deadlifting close to competition because my traps get too big and mm. my lumbar too big, right? But an amazing glute, quad, hamstring, full body builder. So in off season, I would be doing them to build your lower body and then cut out, you know, you might just drop the, the conventional deadlift out or even go for a sumo. So change up the suit leg into a sumo position where you can still pull some pretty heavy load for the legs. It does, like, I've got girls that squat and deadlift all the way through. It doesn't make yep. their core thick. I personally, I get thick. I get really thick. I can get thick through my lumbar, mm. you know. So, But, again, it's also volume. Yeah. How much volume are you pushing in terms of, you know, hypertrophy, right? You need volume to hypertrophy muscle and lifting a certain load. So you could still do some strength work coming into your show, but not enough that's going to thicken the waistline. And that's just something I, I get my girls to play around with. You know, if it's just a three to five rep, one to three rep, everyone's different. Yeah. Um, but I, I personally have to take them out. Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At what point do you think it's worth anyone considering performance enhancement drugs? To be honest, I'm fully against taking performance enhancing drugs. That's just my opinion. 
And I think that if you were to do that, I think it's really important that you do research and you, you, if you're going to do it, do it properly, like go to a, a doctor, not a person that doesn't specialize in any of that. But I think the first thing to ask yourself is like, why, why do you want to do it? You can achieve incredible results naturally, like, but you need to work. You need time and effort, patience, you know, patience, comes in the lifting game, patience comes in the physique building game. And you really have to look at, is it really worth it? Like, is that really worth it? And to be honest, I'm just a big advocate of work hard, give yourself time, do it naturally. Like, I love that when I step on stage, I've done it all on my own naturally. And that's personally how the way I wanna do it. So whether you do it or not, you still have to work hard. Hard work is not an ingredient that ever gets missed out of the cake if you want to build an amazing physique. I personally just would say don't do it. But again, everyone's got their own, their own opinion and their own life. And I, I think there's um, probably a lot of pressure in social media because obviously this, a lot of ladies will look at you know, certain athletes and be like, wow, they're impre- impressive physiques. How do I get there? And it's all about putting in the time. And obviously there are ladies that use PEDs and perhaps create this stigma that it's not achievable naturally. So at what, at, were you ever sort of, because you mentioned that you're natural, were you ever at one point like, oh, you know what, I should seriously consider this. I've done my research. I'm not sure. Did you ever go through that process or you just never thought in your mind? I've never thought in my mind because I know what I can achieve without any of that. And I used to laugh with, with Bass and say, oh my God, imagine if I take steroids, steroids I would be like oh, way too jacked and just, you know, I'm really lucky that genetically, like my body builds muscle very quickly and um, I've never had to be in the position where I've thought maybe I should do it. I honestly, and I said this to you before, I was like the one thing that grinds my fucking gears on social media, like you can call me ugly, that's cool, I don't care. But to say that I'm on steroids and accuse me of steroids is the biggest insult someone could ever say to me because I know how hard I work. And I know how many hours I put into my physique 365 days a year and have done for the last 10 years. How dare you point that finger at me just because you're not willing to do the work, just because you don't have the balls to put in the time to do it. Mm. That, as you can hear my voice, really pisses me off. And I used to think, oh, what a compliment. And I'm like, no, fuck that shit. Don't you dare say that to me. You go away and do the work that I've done and let's see what your physique looks like. I honestly, I'm a, I'm a... I'm a grinder, I'm a, I'm a hustler, I've got grit. And yeah, I always say to myself, I'm gonna show you how great I am. And that's what I'll do naturally. And I'll do that, you know, for my whole career. So I think like to give the false, what I don't like is when women say to me, oh, my coach says I'm only gonna, gonna be able to change my body by taking steroids. And I think, well, your coach just, just, just doesn't know how to do it naturally. It's like your coach just doesn't know what to do. Like that's a complete lie. And the thing is that people don't have the patience. It's easy to look at where I'm at, I am now and, and not see the 10 years, the 13 years or my whole life's work of training. I mean, I trained for 32 hours a week for years, years and years and years, like when I was 12 years old, 10 years old. I've had foundations. I've had all this stuff, like the base of my, my training for my whole life. That helps, but... For your coach to tell you the only way you're going to achieve these goals with steroids is absurd. And that's, that's what upsets me, I think, with a lot of women. 
if you've been working your ass off and working your ass off and working your ass off and really working your ass off and doing it properly um, and you get to a point where, I don't know, you're not fulfilled, I don't know what it is, I think you have to do, again, the research and, and look at what you want to do. But there's always repercussions, that side of stuff. I just don't know much. I don't know enough about it, to be honest, Troy, um, because I've never been interested in it. I don't do much of, you know, read much about it. But I do notice when I'm speaking to girls who have taken gear and I think, oh, your voice sounds funny and you've, you're, your face has changed and what a shame. I just don't want to do that. I think it's yeah. important for, for ladies exactly what you said. Do your research, take your time. And if a coach is putting things onto you, especially at an early, early stage, you know, the answer should be no especially when you haven't put in a decent amount of time to training, like stay away from it kids and, you know, build, build your time, like, build, you know, train, 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 eat, 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 and focus on good nutrition and, and training. A lot of people that do that get really good results. It's like the biggest factor, even because I like straight up, I work with ladies that use and that don't use. Right. And the number one thing that I see that separates someone with, well, in terms of results is commitment to their food. Food is absolutely everything. And I think people absolutely under underrate the whole concept of food. Training is obviously important, but food is always number one. It's the same thing for dudes. It's like, am I going to grow? Okay, am I eating enough? Most of the time for me personally, the answer is no. Like we, we spoke about that. I don't eat enough food to, to put on a lot of size. But that's the biggest thing. And it's the same thing for ladies. You, ladies need to be committed to your diet and need to make sure that you're eating enough food. Yeah. Um, so I have, I have an interesting question here. So... Do you, have, do you feel pressured to look lean year round? Because you're pretty much in good shape all the time, it seems. So, you know, how do you go mentally making the decision to put on muscle from being so lean? And how do you, yeah, what's the process? That's a really good question. And to be honest, this year is the first year that I really enjoyed my building season. It took, it's, that's definitely one that's taken me a lot of time to get comfortable with. And, you know, I do manage to stay pretty lean all year round. And that comes with, you know, the minimal effective dose of what needs to be done to stay, you know, I want to feel confident and, and I want to feel good all year round. I don't want to just feel good when I'm lean. And, um, you know, this year doing the, my first, uh, I guess, building phase where I really enjoyed it. It was the first time that I thought I'm having such a good time. Do I really want to diet? Like I honestly thought, fuck, I'm really enjoying myself. I love all this food. I'm training like an animal. Do I really want to take that away? It was the first time I ever thought about that instead of being like, I cannot wait to diet. Oh my God, I feel so uncomfortable. And of course, you know, I, I get thicker than a snicker, to be honest. And it gets hard walking sometimes, like I'm waddling. <laughs> hard and You're probably thick and muscled. Myself, to be honest. What was that? Sorry? Pressure only comes from myself. Yeah. But I mentioned before, I don't like a lot of muscle, particularly in my upper body. So I will, you know, I'll, I'll get my calories as high as I can while staying in you know, some bound, the boundaries of, of where I feel most comfortable because I don't, I don't really need to go through a building phase. Mm -hmm. I don't really need to do that anymore, but I will get heavier. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I think the top end that I get to in my building is always 62 kilos. Like that's definitely my oh. top end. And that's, um, that's probably what you said before you're around the 55 mark for stage weight. Yeah. 54. That's pretty. So even 62, that's not even really that heavy. That's quite lean, especially with the amount of muscle that you have. Yeah. And that's, you know, the hardest thing I think, and you might experience too, Troy, is the hardest phase to take a girl through is the building phase. Yes. It's all theory when the rubber hits the road. Yeah. That's who really wants it. And that's the hard part for women.
putting, put, deciding to, you know, especially for the ladies that need the size, it's like deciding to, okay, I need to have an off season. I need to build my calories up as high as possible. And for some ladies, it's like 3000 calories is so much. And I've never eaten that before. And obviously it takes time to get there, but you need to sacrifice and put on a little bit of fat. It's okay to do that to make sure that you're getting the size that you need. And I think a lot of people look at you and go, wow, she's so lean all the time. How's it possible? But obviously you still go through a phase where you bring your body weight up, but you just happen to stay in shape and you're disciplined most of the time you're around. I think the ladies that maybe would be a little bit sloppy on their diet and have too many cheat meals are the ones that really bring their body weight up way, way, way past their comp weight. And that leads me to the next question for the ladies that do need to put on size, what would be the maximum weight that you would recommend someone to be over stage weight if they've just come out of contest? So if they were 55 kilos in contest, they just did the Arnold's for example, because a lot of the ladies just did that. You're going to a building phase, reverse dieting. What's the maximum weight you'd like to see a competitor you know, go up to in the off season before you're like, Oh, okay. We're going to maybe just watch what we're doing and bring it back down. Um, I, I always say around the eight kilo mark mm. is the max. And it does depend on the individual, like how much time we have between shows, you know, eight kilos is, is pretty good. We can get that off in, you know, a nice 20 week prep. And we know that there's going to be some, some nice muscle under there some changes to be made. You're going to be in a good amount of food. You know, it's funny because you say off season and I, and I generally hate using that word because for a lot of what I've found for a lot of girls is that the word off maintenance, maintenance becomes complacency for a lot of girls maintaining. Mm. It's hard to maintain. Like there's a lot of, you know, things that we've got to kind of like little lines that we've got to try and tread, like to maintain where you're at. It's, it's harder than like dieting is the easiest, right? When we're dieting, we're on, most people. Most women love dieting, right? It's a really quick adrenaline fix. But I always call it the foundation season because most of them are re, like realigning their foundations. I think, you know, when the, the biggest downfall when women make is too much flexibility in their nutrition. Um, I don't do cheat meals, not for myself and not with my clients. Um, yeah. We do, we try So, you know, when a girl comes to me and they're like, I'm still doing a cheat night, I'm like, but we don't do cheat meals. Like, this is why on Monday morning when you're doing a check-in, things are up a little bit. Like, we, we don't want these big spikes to happen. We're trying to, you know, collect a lot of data so that we can see, well, where are you at and, and what's your, you know, what's your average intake need, need to be and how do we then progress there? So, you know, we're building physiques for life and we're also building habits for life. So one of the reasons I can stay in really good shape is because not much changes for me, whether I'm getting ready for a show or not, like, I still have rules for myself that I honor. It's just yeah. that my food is different. <laughs> like, and um, I enjoy cooking my food. You know, when, when we make 80%, 90% of our meals, having one or two meals that, you know, makes it way more enjoyable. But it's also easier to stay in, stay in shape as well. I think, uh, you know, don't be complacent when you're not in a diet. Like what you do outside of the cutting phase will determine how, aggressive your cutting phase is going to be right what we do around outside the comp prep is going to determine how you look on stage at the end you know it's a comp prep is a multi-phase a multi-phase structure you know it's not just build and cut for some people there's reverse build cut and whatever else is in between so in order for them to all synchronize and and go ahead you know in a nice string of alignment then we have to execute discipline and focus throughout all the phases. You know, they're as important as each other. I, I completely agree with that. And 
most of the ladies, it's like for the people out there that really want to do well, it's like, okay, I want to win my first show. I want to get a pro card. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to your rounds? And just like you mentioned, okay, we don't do cheat meals, but you do macros. A lot of people are going to listen to that and go, Ooh, do I really want that? But do I really want that? Do you know that type of lifestyle? But hold on a second. How badly do you want your goal? Do you really want to get after it? Do you really want a pro card or do you really want to win that show? And for most people that the answer might be, no, I don't want to you know, sacrifice that. But for the people that truly want to get after it, they're going to take it very seriously. So are there any other key factors that you think really influence? Okay. Like you obviously have a few competitors. Is there anyone that you look and go, wow, okay, I know this girl's legit. Like what are the characteristics that you find in people that are going to do well versus the ones that might struggle? Um, they are investigators. So they investigate things. They ask a lot of questions. It's important characteristics that I have found. Um, I've got one girl. She's one of my pros. She also works for me now. Her name's Natalia. Incredible physique, absolute animal. And she sparked my interest from such an early, you know, from early on working with her because she was so diligent. She had all the notes. She tracked everything. She had all the data. She followed everything. It was, she was like in, she was like in the military. It was like, she's not in the military, but it was just like that. And it was like, she wanted it. She wanted it. And she, she, she was so far ahead of the flock. Like that, that shows up when, when women like, you know, they, they come with the data every week. They check in on time. They fill out their training programs with notes, with all everything. It's like, everything's laid out. It's like, let's look at all this. And there's just a, that determination. And they don't rely on motivation, right? They've fully relied on the process. Mm. That will always get someone to the finish line, not motivation. Motivation comes and goes. That's so interesting. So, For anyone to be committed to the process, do you think it's more based on goal setting that would get them there? Or how do you think it's like, all right, so if I'm, we've got two girls here, what's going to determine one person from succeeding with the process and being committed to the process versus, oh, I'm motivated. I'm really happy right now. Like I just saw a YouTube video. I'm getting after it. Like, how do you get someone committed to the process? They've done a series of work behind, behind that goal. So they've been training and tracking their food for a period of time. They've, they generally move really well. They are really attached to, okay, well, what does the journey look like? What do I have to, and then broken that journey down. It's like, okay, what do I have to hit each week? They're like, everything's like followed to, like they've got their daily process. They've got their weekly process. They've got their monthly process. They're, um, they've been thinking about this goal and working up towards it, you know, a year before that particular goal set in. So it's not, it's like, it's almost like a multi-year goal like a multi-phase goal where it's like, I'm going to do this for a period of time. Now that cool. Now it's like the next mountain. I think some girls, you know, and I said this last night, in my goal setting webinar is like, we've got ascending goals and we've got compensatory goals. One's compensating for a feeling that we feel a band aid, bad eating behaviors. One's going to make me feel a certain way once I reach it. The other one is I've, I feel this way already and I know what I can do next. I've got the foundations. I'm going to go up the hill right now. I've got the tools. I'm going to go to the next thing. What's going to challenge me? What's going to pull more for me? I already know what my self-belief is. I already know what my language is. My intention of my, intention of my goal is, is knowing that I can do that, even though it's going to be hard. So there's a different energy and a different quality of the, of the goal and the t- quality, the intention behind the goal is what separates is someone band-aiding it or someone 
living it. Don't you love clients that are just full obsessed and crazy? Like we spoke about this before. Have you got anyone that you is looking at doing, let's say the October show? Cause well, hold on. What? No, that's the only show that's available, right? For the amateurs. Is there, have you got anyone in that show that's like, okay, you're going to get a pro card or like, I, you're not going to get it, but you look like you're in a position to earn one. Well, my one, uh, two girls that have just actually pulled out of this show, they're going to do May next year, but we're looking pretty red hot for, for their pro cards. But because of everything that's happened, they've no longer got a gym anymore. So they've decided, mm. yeah. oh, I'm just going to move. Oh, I got one girl actually. No, she's still doing it. She's got access to a gym. Watch out, people. Yeah. So it's super exciting working with women that are thriving in this, in this time. So actually, we've been talking for quite some time. So what we'll do is we will wrap this up. Thank you for coming on the show, by the way. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So that is another episode done. If you have any questions about this podcast, please feel free to DM me on Instagram. For those who don't follow me, you can follow me at Troy J Thornton. And Hattie Boyle is at Hattie Boyle. If you like this podcast, it'd be great appreciate if you could share it. And for those out there that have any topics or questions that you'd like to hear discussed in future episodes, please feel free to send me a DM. Until next time, thank you for listening. Peace.